You're listening to Consolidate That. Ukraine is my motherland. It is now under a savage attack by Russia. Ukraine is shielding Europe and the rest of the civilized world from Putin's barbaric aggression. Ukrainians are brave and effectively fighting back. Let's help. Make a donation to Armed Forces of Ukraine. Link is in the show notes. Hashtag stand with Ukraine. Welcome back to Consolidate That. Ivan, it's great to see you again. How's everything been going? Well, lots of exciting stuff at Galaxy. Uh, We're progressing with our um, employee-owned organization. There's a lot of exciting news coming out that way. But today I'm excited about about our guest. We have Captain Rory. So Captain Rory Lubold, he achieved his uh, uh, rank of a captain uh, in many, many probably areas of life, but uh, we just call him Captain Rory. Uh, So Rory started in the U.S. Air Force as a computer programmer, flight test engineer, and systems analyst working on classified programs. After 15 years, he went to work for Hollywood post-production industry as a software and systems engineer and served in VP engineering and CTO positions. From there, as an entrepreneur, he started an IT service company to serve small to medium-sized businesses. Recently, after hearing about this game-changing visionary consolidator Galaxy Vets, he joined the organization as the vice president of IT. Rory, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I want to open up a little bit with your story. I mean, it fascinates me every time that you talk about uh, how your experience from military to Hollywood to now being in veterinary industry, how does that path connected the dots? And uh, what was the most exciting on that journey? Oh, very, very interesting question. So for me, um, I come from a military family. My father was military. So I was born overseas, spent a lot of time in Europe. Uh, Probably 10 of my first 15 years were in Europe. And so that just that broadening of, of seeing different cultures in different countries and learning, you know, just to adapt and to enjoy and to embrace that was was really a fun part of that journey. In the military, the Air Force was was a was great for me joining that. And my father said to me, get commissioned if you join the military because you get to lead and they'll teach you how to lead, which I think was is such an undervalued or underrated piece of of, of, of any team or family. So when in the military, what I got to do was flight test for the Air Force, which was a really fun job. So we would instrument every aircraft put on the instruments to, to track what, what, what we call real-time data. So we're flying, say, an F-22, for example, and we're pulling data out of that aircraft at milliseconds worth of data, and we're feeding that back down to our health and safety folks. And, and so what we're doing is we're tracking that information in the aircraft and pulling metrics and just keeping track of health and safety for the aircraft. Is he safe? Is he in a safe area? Um, are the modifications that we're doing working? And, and so the cool part about that was just lots of data, processing lots of data, looking at that information and, and seeing how well that fits into the, the health and safety of the aircraft. And then I also did classified programs with the Air Force, which was my primary job was to monitor Soviet aircraft, flanker, fulcrum, um, all the all the bomber class of aircraft and, and know how capable they were of fighting our, our military. So coming up with tactics and analysis. So kind of big picture, just looking at, you know, synergy of an engagement. If there's a fight, how, do, how well do we fare? how to teach my pilots, um, you know, how to, how to fight and defend. And my brother-in-law was flying F-15s and he said, Hey, I get all the information you're giving us, but why don't you come out to what we call red flag, which is where the air force does their top gun school. 
effectively and fly with us so I can kind of show you where rubber meets the ramp. All the things you want us to do, we want to show you how the what you're, you're putting down on paper, how it really applies to the real world. And I think that was hugely important because it translates to what we do, you know, on, in actual practices is all the things that we practice for and train and, and build plans for to implement them in actual hospitals. And then going into Hollywood was really cool because we got to build this worldwide distributed network of systems. So a good example and a good story was uh, we were doing uh, all the Star Wars shows and we were converting Star Wars into 3D. And what we did in that process was we did this distributed render farm across the whole world. We had 17 companies in India. We had four companies in, in, uh, in London and we had companies all across North America. And we would set these guys up with this real time tracking system that would say, here are shots and things that need to be worked on. So we would go up to the ranch and review some shots. And one of the cool things that we would look at would be say, let's look at a shot and, and, uh, and he would say, okay, um, I want Chewbacca to be in the foreground of the shot, or I want to change the relationship of the objects. And then we would send that information out real time to our distributed group and they would modify that. And by the time we finished that review of those shots, we'd have all the fixes back again for him to review and, and then he'd review them and then we'd get approval. So we had this really cool system that was distributed across the entire world of being able to do updates and changes real time and being able to give the feedback back to, to, to review the shots at the end of the day. So I think those things consolidated, give me kind of a good perspective of the real time world, what's happening in the hospitals and, and how we apply that. And then my private company, when I did the MSP company, what we got to do was work in hospitals. So my son, uh, Dr. Lubold, uh, builds emergency hospitals. And we built a few of those with him, put in the technology to make the hospitals functional, but got the, the experience from him in the translation. And of course, he used SmartFlow and, uh, and, and the, his relationship with, with Dr. Ivan goes way, way back. But the cool thing was, was we got to take hospitals and clinics and apply that real world, hey, let's keep them up and running, let's support them from the IT perspective, um, and especially the 24-hour hospitals, right, that can't afford to be down. If they're, you know, if they're triaging animals and the internet goes down, those things are huge for them. So being able to take all that experience and roll it into how we apply and support hospitals was a huge thing. And then hearing about from my son about Galaxy Vets, and not just, you know, the idea of a consolidator, but the idea of a consolidator who's very servant, who, you know, you know, the whole idea for uh, zero suicides and just pushing all the cool things that the company wanted to do for me was like, this, this is a game changer. This would be fun to be part of. That's so awesome. And, you know, with all that experience, now that I'm thinking about our industry and our data, when you have 30 year old PIMS and then you're pulling this garbage data that can't be normalized and then you're looking at the P&L of your quarter three weeks after the quarter pass and then even if you get the right information then you can't really do anything with it because we're already into the next quarter so it uh, it kind of makes me think that you're a little overqualified for our industry but hopefully <laughs> with your help uh, we can bring it all into um into more real time and serve the data uh, but so what do you think about the data source i mean you've seen the diff different industries with this like mean, from the military what you were doing probably there is still way better than what we do in the vet hospitals today. So do you see the vet medicine um, having an opportunity to improve? We have a big problem. We, we don't have enough vets. We don't have enough techs. Do you think that using and leveraging technology and data, we can actually accelerate things and uh, become more efficient? 
I do. And, it, and it's that, that really precarious balance between, you know, IT as a service and IT as a hindrance. And so what, what we try to look at is, you know, what's the functional job? And I love the idea that, that, that we have at Galaxy Vets is saying, let's do this design thinking this galaxy way. Look at what your problem is to understand it fully. As technology people, we have a tendency to say, oh, I, I know the answer. I've got the perfect idea without understanding the stakeholders, the people who we're really trying to solve that problem for. So what you guys have introduced into the, the solution for the problem is to back up a little bit and think about the problem in a much better context of the stakeholders. And so the people that are you're trying to solve the problem for help us so much. And the couple of things that we've done have, have changed direction because of that input. So, so what we're doing is taking the technology and saying, how can I give them better tools to do what they do? Because as we know, very typically, you know, veterinarians practices and hospitals aren't probably the most technically capable people because they're focused on, you know, serving and taking care of animals. So how can we help them is a very um, important process to socialize that change first, to help them understand what we're trying to do, but more importantly, understand what they're trying to do on their daily job. And I think the value here is, you know, having an inside track with my son, especially knowing how, how hospitals work being in, in the heart of, of, of that process, especially ER, you know, on the triage mode. And as you know, Dr. Ivan, I haven't been there. It, you know, you're in this 911, I'm trying to save lives. And, and, then, and then now something's not working or we're, we're forcing a change on them. So I think understanding really what, what you're trying to do in the hospital and making sure that that workflow as we apply it solves the problem and helps and doesn't exacerbate them. That, that's the, the biggest challenge. What do you think from the, uh, we have a couple of hospitals now uh, that joined us and then what your team has done and uh, done very well is analyze the hospital where they're at. Um, do you think that uh, as they're joining us and in general, is there an opportunity for hospitals to be a little better protected from the data uh, security side of things? And do you think that uh, from general sort of IT infrastructure in the clinic, where they're at today, because because we partner with very good clinics, but sort of in that slice and what you've seen with other hospitals that you've built with Dr. Rory, um, I mean, he he built new hospitals, so so everything was new in there. But what do you see in the veterinary medicine? Do you think that uh, that that could be improved? Very, very much so. And, and, and a great example um, in one of our hospitals is they were compromised ransomware attack. And and what happens is they're so focused on you know day to day uh, you know operations, keep the hospital functioning and moving. And, and what we're finding looking at hospitals is we're seeing that the technology in the hospitals is more traditionally especially in smaller hospitals, mom and pops, they start out as a small practice, they grow. And that's that restaging and that's that stopping and taking a look at their technology and saying, okay, where are we vulnerable at? What are the risks that we acquire and partner with that hospital? And being able to, to, to socialize that change. So we're gonna, like for example, one of the hospitals, we're gonna, we're gonna change a little bit of their security and enforce some little bit tighter security standards so they're not as vulnerable and as we start to, to protect them. And, and I think socializing that change and helping them understand the value and then and then rolling that out in a very um, controlled process is super huge. So you're absolutely correct. They're very different. Every hospital, enough of a difference that we need to just say this is you know, our template on what works really well for hospitals. And then how do we apply that template to them to protect them? And as, as in one of your tenets for, for, for Galaxy is, is it's data protection and privacy by design. And, and GDPR is a great example of that. that that standard does well for us. And it's interesting because GDPR doesn't just apply to the EU, the 27 member countries. 
It applies to any country that is impacted economically, which includes a lot of other countries in Europe. Um, there's a GDPR for UK and for the rest of the EU. But what's important for, for us is if we lead by example, if we put in place and follow these standards that aren't mandated by our industry right now, I think it sets us to be better protected. And, and if we do that in, in the correct way, I think we create an environment that lets people focus on work and, and we're not as subject to, to those, those attacks. They're going to happen everywhere, right? We know that nobody's vulnerable from, from those attacks or completely vulnerable. We're just going to increase our protection for those. And we're going to do GDPR because one of the good things that about GDPR says if you handle European, any of our member countries' data, you're subject to that law. And, and so I think that, that your initial tenant that says, hey, we need to do, um, you know, a good design security model is perfect for this because it will set us up early to have the infrastructure in place and it will be easy to carry that and protect that. And like I said, the industry doesn't require that we do that. CC, you know, CCPA, for example, the California Consumer Privacy Act, will, the GDPR covers that as well. It's, a, it's an overarching piece for that. So I think we're really well set to protect our customers in the hospitals. It's it's interesting as you're talking about that a little bit because um, on a previous episode, Ivan and I had on Clint Latham from Luca, who's very 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 big into the data security side of things, and he um, he scared me enough into rushing out and turning on all of my password savers and and doing all of that. So he was very valuable in that sense, and he had some really interesting ideas that that are different in the space. And then also coming from a background of the PIMS world where I worked at Hippo, which the name Hippo is a play on HIPAA, but for animals, um, it's it's kind of interesting to think about how that data comes in place. You, you talked about, is IT a friend or a foe for the veterinarians? I think traditionally, right, in a lot of industries, it's considered somewhat of a, of a foe or sort of the, the checkbox that we have to take and keep them happy. Um, what do you think are some big things that people are already doing right now that they could change to make their lives a little bit easier so that IT is not that foe that they're looking at? Uh, that, that's a really cool question. So one of the things that, that we're very strong on is password management. And, and password management, as we know, is, is always a bane for everybody. They're like, I don't want to do password management. It's too hard. And what's the value in doing that? And, uh, and what we see is attacks happen where someone, you know, if you look on the dark web, we can do dark web scans and we can look and say, hey, is my information out there anywhere? And what happens is once one of my passwords gets, gets out there, what the cyber criminals do is they just grab that and look at all the other accounts I have and see if they can break in. So if I'm using that same password across multiple accounts, they're going to get access to that data. And we've seen that happen on a number of occasions where that happens. So the password manager thing is probably one of the high things on our list. Because what it does is it allows you to use password complexity, meaning you have complex passwords that are very likely not to be hacked. It allows you to enforce um, some password standardization in the hospital. So, for example, uh, one of your technicians leaves and you can change the passwords that are accessing common uh, accounts like your PIMS very easily, transparently to everybody. And you never miss a beat. You don't get the, re, you know, the relief doctor that comes on, on site and goes, I can't get into the PIMS. I can't do my job. You don't get hacked and attacked by the person that left the company. You're not vulnerable in those spaces. So password security is, is a big value add for us to do that. And, and so I think that's one of the first things we push. And then multi-factor authentication. You know, we've been talking about that within Galaxy recently. And that's really huge because it allows you to say, hey, I trust this device 
you do the two-factor authentication once. And then if somebody else anywhere in the world tries to connect using your account, it says, hey, Brian, there's someone trying to connect on your account. If this was you, okay. If it wasn't you, you know, here's a warning for you and, you and you let IT know. So those two things are probably the, you know, the first two things that we implement. But the other piece I'd say is really cool is the R&D team in our company has been long working on analyzing and assessing each software package that they use, whether a development package or an application, and they run a full set of checks against compliance to make sure that those things are safe and secure. So we've got some really cool things that we're standing up in the company and some real value for that. And I think what happens is the hospitals will start seeing those results because they'll be able to get into their PIMs more quickly from the password side. They won't have to be doing as much typing and thing and access requests as they wanted to. And, and they'll see that value. And we'll see the, the number of hacks or attacks reduced because they get blocked. Do you mean that we can't anymore put the sticky note next to the computer with a password written on it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I do when I go into hospitals. I flip up a keyboard and look at it, right? And I look in the back of the monitor, <laughs> open the desk, and see where the passwords are at. Yeah, it's it's the same for the for the drug cabinet as well, which requires double double key that hangs on the nail next to the safe. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's also you commonly see. Um, I want to I want to switch gears just a little bit because um, your experience in managing distributed teams is tremendous. So you you work you know with, with so many teams that are remote, but also in different countries, and and you picked up seamlessly teams. You know, in you have team in the U.S., you have people in Ukraine. You're managing them all simultaneously. What do you think is important when you're managing multicultural teams multi-time zone like what are the like sort of a key things that you consider when you're thinking about okay i need to you know step into this role where there will be people from different cultures different time zones different countries different backgrounds yeah that, that's really really cool and that's that's probably the part of my job i love i like the most or i love that part of it because i get to engage with people whose perspectives are are different and and i and and for me it's empathy it's understanding what they're doing and why they're doing it and understanding what their, you know, what their level of, of, of engagement is. And so when I talk to teams um, all over the world, I, I try to, one of the things I try to do is, is adjust to, to do some of the things in their time zone. So for example, from my time zone to, to, to UA, to the Ukraine is 10 hours different. We, our first meeting was, you know, this week at 3 a.m. in the morning, but it was the entire team. And the cool thing about that was they're, they're like, why are you here at 3 a.m.? And I said, because for, for me, it's one, one o'clock in the afternoon, your time, and you guys are wide awake. And I'm not asking you to, to compromise and adjust your times because I want to embrace the team, to know them and, and be able to welcome them into the fold. And if, if I can understand, and, and, and the other piece of what's super important on the empathy side is, is, is also honesty and just saying, hey, guys, here's where we're at. Here's the things we need to do and, and embrace that with them to understand what they're trying to do. And, and like you had mentioned, is, is we'll probably do some adjustments of, of how well we do things and, and add better value into the company as we progress. Um, and that's that maturity model. It's us knowing that as we add hospitals and we pivot to get more engaged with the hospitals and to, and to help the teams that maybe are in different time zones to feel more engaged with the hospitals and to understand what the rest of the company does. So I think empathy, I think honesty for them is super important and, and understanding what they do and understanding what their skill sets are and being able to appreciate the differences w between us and not cause let those cause barriers, but let those be really cool engagements. That's awesome. 
a a segue for that, right? A good way to engage with people is by sharing ideas and thoughts and books. So I'm curious um, if you had some recommendations of, of books or podcasts or TED Talks that you would recommend that, that some people dive into to be able to learn a little bit more about how you think and things that you've found powerful. What, what are some things you'd recommend to people? Yeah, that's awesome. And it was fun for me was growing up in, not growing up, but my first job out of the Air Force was Southern California. And just the cultural differences in Southern California from anywhere across the U.S. was, was interesting, right? But, um, and so what I loved to do there was I had this long drive. The commute was for me was only 22 miles away, but it was an hour and a half each day, each way. So, so I would listen to, to, to uh, books on tape, if you will, back then and, 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 uh, and CDs. But I love to listen to like Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey was great because he had just these great ideas, the seven habits of, of highly effective people. And he was one of the guys that kind of started that whole movement. And, um, and, and so that book was great. And then, and I, and I like Jack Welch, the CEO of GE, because Jack was the kind of guy that was, was a maverick. He was way outside the box. Now, there's some things I don't agree with, with what he does, but he had some really cool ideas on how to take GE as a company and, and turn that company and change that. Their financial group, he took them from a fledgling financial group to, to one of the top five, I think they were at. So the cool thing was, was Welch from the gut was, was the, the outlier to run the company. But I think because he was such a maverick and, and different guy, and not a maverick in a bad way, but a maverick in saying outside the box, we should do things differently. He changed some really cool things at, at GE. And probably my most popular guy is Simon Sinek. And I've listened to Simon for a long time, and I love his leaders eat last. You know, the story about, you know, the A-10 pilots, if you guys haven't heard, that's phenomenal. And it's the military. And the one thing that, that's my takeaway from that book is, you know, in, in the military, we teach ourselves and we teach everybody in the military to sacrifice yourself so that others may gain. In the private sector, we teach ourselves to sacrifice others so that you may gain. We kind of have that backwards. And I think what I'm seeing, especially for us and the company is, let's flip that around. Let's do this right. So, so I love Simon Sinek and, and his presentations are always spot on. He's got some, some great podcasts as well. Well, amen to that. Hopefully uh, one day he'll be uh... Uh, talking about us and he is uh, in his <laughs> books or his podcast because I think we are doing something different and we are focused on people uh, not in a way that you know because we have to talk this way today but uh, fundamentally all our processes and the culture and everything is built around people first organization and uh, and uh, and it pays uh, and our sort of again I'm so excited about our recent developments and finding out that uh, we can have actually a very unique business model because we're focused on people so yeah. that's more to come but uh, captain uh, always a pleasure very excited to have you on the team and uh, thank you for finding the time on Friday thank you very much this was awesome thank you guys thanks Roy. thank you so much for listening to consolidate that if you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com.